Well, hey, good morning and welcome to State Road's online worship service. We're so glad that you could be joining us here from the comforts of your home and uh, just to join us in a brief time of worship this morning. Of course, it's been a very, very strange week and uh, we're grateful for this kind of technology even while we wish it was not necessary to be using it. Uh, but I wanted to begin our worship service this morning just by sharing with you some of my favorite verses from the book of Isaiah. Isaiah 41, verse 10, says this, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, I will help you, I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And verse 13 says, For I, the Lord your God, hold your right hand. It is I who say to you, Fear not. I am the one who helps you. And of course, during these strange times, these unprecedented times, um, it's possible that some of you are struggling with a bit of anxiety. And I always find those two verses particularly helpful. I also am aware that some people are feeling some financial insecurity right now, that perhaps their business or their employment is in question, and there's a lot of questions surrounding finances, and I'm also from that same chapter in verses 17 and 18, we read this, when the poor and needy seek water and there is none, and their tongue is parched with thirst, I, the Lord, will answer them. I, the God of Israel, will not forsake them. I will open rivers on the bare heights and fountains in the midst of the valleys. I will make the wilderness a pool of water and the dry land springs of water. So just know this, uh, your God is not surprised by any of these events that are going on, and He is your God. He is the one who holds your right hand, and He is your helper. Let me pray now and begin this time of worship this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, I just pray for all my brothers and sisters uh, that I just wish we could be all together this morning. And Father, I just pray, Lord, that you would be with the State Road Church family, wherever they are. And uh, Father, we're grateful for the ability to spend a little bit of time around your word together, even though it does feel just very strange uh, to be here in a, in a nearly empty sanctuary and to not have my brothers and sisters here with me. But God, we're grateful to be able to connect in this way. And Father, I just pray that as we spend time together in your word, that uh, you would help us and encourage us and God, that we might be a blessing and a help to others during this time. Pray, Lord, that you would move in a powerful way here as we open your word together. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, now I'll ask Andrew to come up to handle some housekeeping stuff. Good morning, everyone. It's good to be with you. And uh, we are actually kind of with you. I, I don't think Pastor Josh mentioned it, but uh, there are a number of cardboard cutouts all throughout the sanctuary. And so... Uh, the, the Moody's are here, and the Desjardins are here, and even the Whitakers are back from Florida, apparently, and, and so many others, and, and, and uh, I wish we could show you, and maybe we can a little bit later, but uh, just thankful that you could come out and join us this morning uh, for this wor uh, live stream today. A few announcements for you, and I, and I think at this point you probably already all know that uh, most of our programs, if well, pretty much all of our programs have been postponed at this time. And that includes our Missions Emphasis Month, which uh, we had just started the week before this all started. Uh, but as a reminder, that period of time was to help us focus on not only being senders, 
to, but also to remember that we're sent. And for what better time than this right now to not only think about the nations, but to think about our neighbors. And so as you have opportunities, uh, I would really encourage you to check on your neighbors, check on people around you, see if you can be a help to your communities. Uh, th- I, this could be a long road ahead. We're not quite sure what, uh, what the time ahead of us holds. And so I just encourage you uh, to not just look inward, but to look outward and to see how you can serve those around you. Uh, also, uh, as a, just a little bit of housekeeping, uh, for those of you who, are, um, uh, who, who believe that it, it's been a blessing for you to, to be able to tithe uh, to the church, uh, we would encourage you to send your tithes to P.O. Box 551. Uh, Presque Isle, Maine, 04769, and, uh, and we don't say that just because we want your money. To be honest with you, just as we were saying, if there's opportunities that you believe in the next few weeks where you're going to have neighbors who are uh, out of work and, and are going to begin, begin continue to have or begin to have issues with uh, being able to purchase food and, and things like that, uh, if it comes to that, we would love for you to serve your neighbor uh, rather than send your tithe in. And, uh, but we do understand that, uh, that the church needs to continue to operate, and so if there are some of you who wish to send in your tithes, you can do that at P.O. Box 551, Presque Isle, Maine, 04769. Uh, there also are our new Maranatha devotionals. We received those this week, and so I personally will deliver those to you. If there's anybody that's interested in one of those Maranatha devotionals, you can contact me, and I would get that out to you. And before we continue uh, in worship, and, and this is worship, even though we're not going to have music and everything, the time together and, and you guys watching online and listening to God's word is still an act of worship. And I hope that you may have had a little bit of time either before this or maybe after this to, to spend a few, uh, a few minutes singing uh, with your whoever's in the room with you. Uh, I, I told my kids that before at nine o'clock they needed to have a little worship service of their own. And so I hope you guys have that opportunity to fellowship in that way uh, at home as well. But uh, I'd like to turn our attention to prayer and, and towards what the Lord is doing in our community. And so the first thing I want to make sure that we are praying for, and, and you especially could be praying for us in, is technology. We are in an unprecedented time of question and, and frustration, but we're also in an unprecedented time of the availability of technology to connect us. And uh, even still, sometimes that technology doesn't work. And so I would love uh, for you guys to be praying for us in that way so that we can continue to spread the gospel message of Jesus Christ, to stay together, to stay unified uh, even during this time. And so I also uh, encourage you to be praying for togetherness. Uh, Pick up the phone, call one another, uh, text one another, see how one another's doing, and, and we're, we're hoping to be able to reach out uh, to, to all of you guys as well. And, and if you need anything, please know that uh, Pastor Tate and I are available for that. And uh, we, we want to be able to also celebrate, even in the midst of everything that's going on with COVID-19 and the coronavirus, uh, we certainly need to be praying for the nations for that. But there are things to be uh, praising the Lord for, uh, like the birth of Hadassah Bradford, we just want to uh, congratulate William and Rachel and the family as, uh, as they celebrate the birth of, uh, of Hadassah. And so if you would also uh, reach out to them and encourage them in this time, that would be, would be great. And so let's look to the Lord in prayer as we continue in worship. Lord God, we are thankful for 
your grace and your mercy. And I pray, Lord God, that even in times like this, we can begin to slow down our hearts and slow down our minds and remind us, Lord God, that we are broken vessels. Remind us, Lord God, that we are filled with something that the world needs. And so I pray, Lord God, that during these times of frustration and doubt, I pray, Lord God, that we don't take you out of ourselves and start filling our hearts with fear and with pain and worry. But instead, I pray, Lord God, that you find us deep in, the, in your word, that we might be filled by your spirit, Lord God, that we would be overflowing with joy and mercy and compassion for those around us. That, Lord, we wouldn't overflow anger and sadness, but instead a hope that lasts beyond this, this life. And so thankful for you, Lord, that you would give us your word and your son, Jesus, and, and remind us, Lord, that we will have victory over death through your son. And let that be what fills us. Let that be what brings us joy that you might be ultimately glorified. And so, Lord, even in this time of unknown, Lord, you are a God who knows. You have seen this all before. We might be all here navigating this pandemic ourselves for the first time, but you aren't. And so we pray, Lord God, that you are an unchanging, strong God who has us in your hands. And so thank you for that reminder this morning. Lord, we also pray for togetherness, that amongst this time that you would help us to reach out to our brothers and sisters. You would help us to reach out to those in our community who are going to be in need. And Lord, you help us to understand that we don't just send people here at State Road, but we are sent as witnesses of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, help us to do that in ways that are cautious, but, Lord, not without risk. Help us, Lord, to praise you in all that you send us to do. Help us to look towards you in your will and not our own. And so, Lord, as we have this opportunity to continue to praise you and to worship you, we also bring forth the Bradford family and the birth of Hadassah. We're so thankful, Lord God, that you've brought another child into this earth, even amongst these hard times. We pray, Lord God, for your guidance for this family, for these parents who parent for the first time. And I, and I know, Lord, that parenting for the first time can be confusing, and there's a lot of things that can be unprecedented there, too. And so, Lord, let's look to encourage William and Rachel as they bring this new child into the world. Let us not just look towards our own frustrations and worries, but Lord, help us look in joy towards those around us who are also maybe going through new things. And so thank you, Lord, for their life and, and what they've brought to uh, this church family. Lord, we just pray now that as you have prepared words for Pastor Josh to speak, we pray, Lord God, that they are by your spirit this morning. 
Lord, all of this can be confusing and frustrating and a little bit unknown as we navigate technology, as we try to understand how to do things and how to live this uh, new normal for a, a time. But I pray, Lord God, that we can set those things aside. We can set aside our, our Facebook uh, timelines that, that just talk about what the unknowns are. We can set aside the distractions of, uh, and frustrations of the news and the media. And we can settle in slow and gentle rest in your word now. And I just pray, Lord God, that you help us to understand that you are in control, that you have always been in control, and you will continue to be in control. And so we praise you, Lord God, for an opportunity to gather, even in this unprecedented way, that you would be glorified in every living room, at, on every computer screen, on every phone screen, that has an opportunity to open your word this morning and proclaim the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ once again. So we may be apart, but we are together more than ever. I pray, Lord God, you remind us that we are one in your bride, the church. Thank you, Lord, for your guidance. Thank you, Lord, for what you will share to us through Pastor Josh this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Pastor Josh. Thank you, Andrew. Uh, I was, uh, I'll be honest with you, I've had a pretty good week. It <laughs> hasn't been all bad. Uh, we've done some jigsaw puzzles at the Tate House. We've watched some movies. Uh, the kids and I have uh, played and hung out. And, and for the most part, at least so far, cabin fever hasn't crept in. And uh, have, have not been having a bad time of it so far. The kids, of course, are thrilled to not be in school. But even as I say those things, um, boy, there's just a lot of troubling question marks hanging out on the horizon, aren't there? I mean, what is this going to do to our economy? What is this going to do to our church family if this extends into a prolonged season of separation and isolation? And what's this going to do to local business owners? Uh, I heard uh, one guy on the radio today suggesting that people even while we're self-isolating uh, go and buy a gift certificate to a local eatery just to kind of help them uh, pay their bills and keep people on the payroll, that kind of thing. And I thought that was, I think a lot of people are coming up with very creative ways to try and be a blessing and a help even while we're not together. And uh, just as I've been thinking about that this past week, um, I was like, God, what, what do you want me to say to your people on this truly bizarre Sunday? <laughs> this is really weird. And uh, Pastor Andrew and I were in kind of uncharted territory here. There's no manual for this kind of a scenario in, in, in my lifetime anyway. I don't know that anybody else has ever seen this on a society-wide level where churches are kind of shutting down and trying to maintain some sense of connectedness. It's very weird. This whole thing is just very strange. And just as I was talking to God this week in prayer, I just, God, what do you want me not me, God. No, what do you not want me to say to them, but what do you want to say to them through your word? And I, it was one of those moments where uh, God just showed me something that I wanted to start by sharing with you this morning. Uh, this past week, as we made the decision to cancel worship service, I thought, or rather the Holy Spirit brought it to mind, 
how the Apostle John signed off in the book of 2 John. You can turn there if you want, the book of 2 John, verse 12. Uh, He closed that letter by saying this, Though I have much to write to you, I would rather not use paper and ink. Instead, I hope to come to you and talk face to face so that our joy may be complete. Now, three things jumped out at me as I reflected on that sentence. First, this letter, and in fact nearly all of the letters in the New Testament, were born out of seasons of isolation and separation, in which the human writers of the letters were cut off in some way from the churches that received them. Sometimes they were just separated by distance, and I'm thinking of like Peter or John, really, when he wrote his letters. But others, like Paul, were separated by circumstances that were outside of their control. Paul, for example, famously wrote four of his letters while he was under house arrest in Rome. And today you might feel like you're under house arrest. And the other New Testament writers, including Peter, James, and John, even them, they all wrote their letters because they found themselves separated from groups of believers that they cared about. And that, of course, is very reminiscent of our situation today, isn't it? The second thing that stood out to me is that John says that his hope is that he might be able to come to them in person and that they would be able to talk face-to-face so that their joy may be complete. In my Bible, I have that so that underlined. John ties fullness of joy to a face-to-face encounter with the people that he's writing to. And I really, I really understand this totally, because for years, when Sarah and I were dating, we were dating long distance. She was living out in California, I was on the East Coast, and so this was actually, we were right then on the cusp of technologies that we just take for granted today. Email, I think it existed, but it didn't exist for me and Sarah. We, I didn't have a computer or anything, so what I would do is I would sit down at my desk and I would write out a letter and send it the old-fashioned way. And I can remember how excited I would be when I'd go down to the mailbox and find a letter from Sarah. I mean, I would scurry off like a squirrel with a nut, and I would read it and reread it and then read between the lines. I would really chew all the flavor out of that letter. And I loved the letters. I really did. I mean, they really made my day. But they weren't the fullness of what I wanted, was it? What I really wanted was to be with her. But because I couldn't be, this was... Something that helped, it tided me over. But it wasn't fullness of joy that that would have to wait for a face-to-face encounter. Similarly, we're grateful for the technology that allows us to stay connected in some small way, like we are doing right now through this live stream or through a recording online. But of course, this is not the fullness of what we want and what church should be. Like John, we're all hopeful and looking forward to the day when we can come back together in person so that our joy may be complete. And the third thing that stood out to me is that John says, I would rather not use paper and ink, which is ironic, of course, because that is what he just did and was actively doing. He uses paper and ink to say that he would rather not use paper and ink. And here's my point in all of this. John's preference was not to use paper and ink, but that is exactly what God wanted. 
John may have looked on his separation from these people he was writing to as a sad, unfortunate thing that prevented him from communicating to them in the way that he wanted to. But if he had had his druthers, we would not have the book of 2 John. In other words, God had his purposes in all of this. John had his preferences, but God had his purposes. And you and I would obviously much rather not be going through this season of social distancing and coronavirus consuming the news and damaging our economy and all of these things. None of us would want to be going through this. This does not line up with our preferences. But what about God's purposes in the midst of it all? You see, God was not surprised when all of this happened. Since before the foundations of the earth were laid, he knew about this coming season. And, of course, he has had his purposes in the midst of it from day one. John was made to go through something that did not line up with his natural wants, because somehow it was better and more needed. And we get the benefit of that because we have the book of 2 John even though he would rather not have written with paper and ink, but just talk to them face to face. Aren't we so glad that the New Testament writers were forced to write down their thoughts because today we benefit from them? And for the remainder of this message, I want to put a question in front of us as a church family. In probably one of the most famous, well-known verses in the Bible, Romans 8, 28, it says that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. So let's set aside for the moment our preferences, maybe even our fears, our I wish it were so's, and what we would rather be doing and experiencing in these days. And instead, let's ask God to show us his purposes. What, what good thing does he want to work in the midst of this temporary period of isolation. And it is temporary. The day is coming where we're going to be back here together in this room, enjoying one another's presence and worshiping together. And so, but for who knows how long, this is what we're going to be doing. And so rather than just kind of saying, well, this is downtime, this is dead time, this is unproductive time, I don't think that's how we should view this. What unique opportunities does this season present for us as a church, for us individually as followers of Jesus? How can we make the most out of being alone? And what unique potential does this really weird season that we're all in hold in our Christian walk for growth and service to others? Uh, And this is a great sermon to give to State Road Advent Christian Church because from the very first time I got to know you as a people, this is not a hand-wringing, woe-is-me kind of a body of believers. This is a, you guys are a roll up your sleeves and get busy kind of a church. You are a church that loves to know that it's life, your life personally and the life of this church is animated by purpose and meaning and service. And so this is, I think, a great message for State Road because this is who you are. You're not a rest on your laurels kind of people and you're not a do nothing kind of people. And so in this season... We need to turn to God and say, God, what are your purposes? Show us what you're doing in the midst of this season so that we can join you in it. And to help us explore this idea, I want to look to those letters that Paul wrote in our New Testament 
while he was under house arrest. It struck me this week in my time of study that this is the closest parallel <laughs> to what we're going through right now altogether. We're all kind of under house arrest. Some of you have to go into work, and so that means more like you're not under house arrest, you're part of a labor camp, something like that. I don't know, but either way, you want to cut it. That's kind of what these days feel like. And those New Testament letters that Paul wrote while under house arrest in Rome, awaiting trial, are the books of Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon. Uh, one of the things we really need right now is wisdom. Uh, in James 1.5, uh, James writes that if any of you lack wisdom, you can ask God for it, and he will give it to you abundantly and without reproach. And in the context of that part of James, we don't have time to study this in great detail, but you can just take my word for it, or you can look it up yourself. In James 1.5, that's part of an ongoing talk about trials and suffering. The people that James are writing to are going through a really tough time. And in the midst of that, he says, if any of you lacks wisdom... Let him uh, ask God for it, and he'll give it to you abundantly and without reproach. And what the meaning of that is, is that wisdom amounts to this in the midst of a, a, a strange season like the one we're in. Wisdom is the ability to look on our present circumstances in light of God's eternal purposes. And what you find in the midst of a trial is that people who just kind of go through trials don't have wisdom. They just kind of uh, grit their teeth and hunker down and get through to the other side. But people who truly grow through a trial, that growth comes because they have wisdom. God has given them the ability to look on these present circumstances in light of his eternal purposes, what he wants to accomplish during that time. And so we as a church need wisdom to know how to make the most out of this season that we're in. Now, I've come up with a few things that I found in these letters that Paul wrote that I want to share with you this morning. But let me just say at the top, this list is not exhaustive. And I really want to hear from you. What do you think God is doing in the midst of this season for you personally? Or what he would like to accomplish in the life of our church? If you want to... Uh, touch base with me over Facebook, direct message me your thoughts on that. I would love to hear your thoughts. Or you could email me. My email is joshbtate at gmail.com. That's Josh B as in boy, tate at gmail.com. I would love to get an email from you or direct message. What do you think are God's purposes for you personally during this time or for our church? We'd just love to hear your thoughts on that. But here are a few thoughts I had as I was uh, looking through those prison letters of Paul. The first thing I noticed was that Paul used his time of isolation from other believers to pray a lot. If you read those prison letters of Paul, they are saturated with references to prayer and examples of prayer. He sometimes write out, writes out in a word-for-word kind of way the prayers that he's been praying over certain churches or certain other believers. He, he lists out specifically what he's praying over his friends from whom he is separated. And sometime soon, this really inspired me, I thought, boy, what a great sermon series this would make to go through Paul's prison prayers. And I intend to do that at some point. But for now, it's just worthy to note not only the fact that Paul used this time to pray a lot, but also what he prayed for. It was very striking to me to see the content of Paul's prayers and how his prayers 
don't look much like mine sometimes. I was really convicted by that. You know, the Bible presents suffering as something that God purposefully allows to enter our lives. And I hope I'm not being too melodramatic in, state, in talking about this current season in terms of suffering. Because frankly, the past week I had felt more like summer break at times than suffering. But we all feel a certain amount of anxiety about where all this is going for us as a society, for our church. We know that people are suffering from a dread illness in places. Maybe nobody you know or maybe not you personally has that. But you know that other people elsewhere are suffering. And so there's a lot of uncertainty surrounding our context right now. And I don't mean to be melodramatic in putting it in terms of suffering because maybe that's not true to your experience today. But... I do think, generally speaking, when we're talking about trials or times that are not lining up with what we would want to see happening, um, that God doesn't just, that God allows us to enter into those times with purpose. He has something He wants to accomplish in the midst of it. It's a refining, sanctifying tool by which we are shaped and changed, and through which we tell others about who our God is and His value to us. For the Christian, there really is purpose in times like these. The Christian becomes a student and teacher all at once. Times like these, they teach us things we need to learn, and through them, we preach a sermon to those who are looking on. So if suffering is purposeful and not meaningless and random, shouldn't that affect how we pray about suffering in our lives and the lives of others? Most of the time, I think, when something bad is happening, our prayers mostly are just, God, make it stop. (laughs) God, take away the coronavirus. God, bring it, make it possible so that we can come back together. God, make it so that nothing, none of this ongoing bad situation continues to happen. That's mostly, I think, how people pray. And in my years growing up and serving in the church, I have known lots of people who went through tough times. But only rarely have I heard prayer requests and prayers like the ones Paul prays in his prison letters that are not focused on the suffering being removed, but that God would help him in the midst of those times to represent him well and to go about the business of being an evangelist. It's interesting to me that when Paul would ask for prayers, and this is super fascinating to me, I I looked and I couldn't find anywhere where Paul asked that they would pray that he would be freed from prison. Maybe it's in there, maybe I just didn't find it. But what he does ask for lots is that he would be bold in his proclamation of the gospel even while he was in chains. In fact, in places, he asked them, he, he, he prays a prayer of thanksgiving that he was in chains. He doesn't ask that he would be delivered from prison, where he was in chains for the sake of the gospel, that, that, but that he would be bold and faithful in proclaiming the good news of Jesus to his guards and fellow prisoners. Another pastor named Rob Timms, he had these thoughts. The purposes for suffering that we find in Scripture should guide our prayers more than our predetermined positive outcomes. What would happen if we allowed Scripture to provide the outcomes we prayed towards? 
What if we expanded our prayers from praying solely for healing and deliverance and success to praying that God would use these times and the suffering and disappointment and dead ends that come with them to accomplish the purposes he has set forth in Scripture? Scripture provides us with a vocabulary for expanding our prayers, for hurting people far beyond our predetermined positive outcomes. Instead of praying only for relief, we begin to pray that the glory of God's character would be on display in our lives and the lives of those for whom we are praying. We pray for the joy of discovering that the faith we have given lip service to over a lifetime is the real deal. We ask God to use the difficulty to make us less self-reliant and more God-reliant. Rather than only begging him to remove the suffering in our loved one's lives, we ask him to make them spiritually fruitful in the midst of suffering he chooses not to remove. And sometimes, for reasons that are mysterious and that are wrapped up in his good purposes, he does choose not to remove the things that are causing us discomfort. And this is true for Paul. Paul, as he's writing from prison... We know from church history that how that would end. It would end with him suffering a martyr's death in Rome. So that's the first thing I want us to be challenged by. During this time of separation and isolation, maybe God is calling us as a church to a more aggressive, intentional prayer ministry. Uh, Some of you have asked for lists of the people who are in our congregation so that you could be praying over those names. And that has really (laughs) touched my heart. I mean, what a beautiful thought that is. Some of you have a directory at home, and you can flip through the directory, see those names, and pray for them. Um, There's just lots of things we can be doing to be praying for one another uh, during this time of isolation, and praying for others too. The second thing I saw in Paul's prison letters was this, that the context for Paul's ministry and calling had changed but not his ministry or calling. In the, at the end of Ephesians, right after going through the armor of God passage in chapter 6, in verse 18 he says this, Praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication, to that end keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints, and also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly and proclaiming the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Paul is saying there, while under house arrest, he is asking for the Christians in Ephesus to pray that he would be bold and faithful in proclaiming the gospel as he had opportunity. Well, who did he have opportunity to pray to preach to while he's under house arrest? His guards? Uh, when he went before various courts or whatever was going on, that's who he's talking to. So you see, the context of his ministry had changed, but not his ministry, not his calling. I love Paul because you can throw him in jail, and he's like, well, I guess I'll start a prison ministry. In Philippians 1, 12 through 14, it says this. Paul writes this to the church in Philippi. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord Lord by my imprisonment, 
are much more bold to speak the word without fear. So there we see the fruits of his prison ministry. Not only does he have a prison ministry, he's got a prison guard ministry is really what he started. And the whole imperial guard has heard the gospel at this point. And I'm excited to think about um, the, the kind of concentrated ministry that you might have right now. Uh, just, you know, Sarah and I had a conversation this past week, and to my shame, uh, we had kind of fallen out of the habit for a while of doing our family devotions. And Sarah and I were talking, and she brought that up, and I agreed. I was like, man, we've got everybody right here. It's a captive audience. We really need to start doing that again. And I just have been thinking back over the past week how many I've been home a little bit more because I'm not able to go see people and have meetings and things like that. And so we've been hanging out a lot more, talking a lot more. We've been doing our devotions as a family. Maybe you've got people right there at home that need a season of your presence more. Or maybe you live all by yourself and you're not able to see people. And maybe God is calling you into kind of a personal retreat where you're going to spend time with him in more of a one-on-one kind of a way. I think of Jesus when he would go off into the wilderness places to be alone with God. Or the way that uh, Paul was called out to Arabia for three years before he began his public ministry. There's just times in the Christian life where God says, come away with me. And maybe that's what this season is for you. You're kind of feeling like a hermit, and maybe that's how God wants it to be, just you and him. Or maybe it's just you and a very select number of people that you're really invested in. Or maybe up to this point you haven't really gotten to know your neighbors very much, but you reach out for the first time and say, hey, we live right next to each other. Do you need anything? You could say it from six feet away or from a loudspeaker or something. <laughs> you don't want to go up close to them. But you've got your family. You've got your coworkers. You have your spouse. You have your neighbors. I can remember when I was a kid, Uh, We were living in the Washington, D.C. area, and there was a big thunderstorm that came through, and we were all just sitting around the house in different rooms doing different things, and the, uh, the power went out. So just like that, the house went black. And of course, even though we'd been spread out in different rooms, once it went dark, we all went and found each other. And my mom dug around in a, in a, in a drawer and she pulled out candles and lit them and we all sat around the light of the candles and we were just laughing and sharing stories and talking and then the power came back on and I felt so disappointed. (laughs) I wanted that time to just keep going. I had loved that feeling of togetherness around the candles and how we were forced to be together. And maybe your kids, if you have children at home, are enjoying this season more than you know having mom and dad present there, or maybe just uh, being around different people, that it's very, just having that sort of focused attention can be a really powerful time, and we can make the most of that. The third thing that I noticed in Paul's letters was that Paul asks for help. Paul asked the believers in Ephesus to pray for him. We just talked about that. He he asked the church in Ephesus, pray for me that I would be bold and faithful to preach the gospel. And also in Philippians 4, he says this, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. 
And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. And there's something in there I want you to see. During this time of separation and isolation, all those forces that keep us from asking for help are magnified. And uh, we, we don't, uh, some of us don't want to go out to the store because we're afraid we might get a disease. Maybe your health is poor enough that you feel worried about the virus and Maybe you're of such an age where it might present a greater risk for you. Or maybe there's just different things going on, but you're like, well, I really should take care of that, but I'm going to have to wait till this season is over because nobody wants to come out and, and do stuff right now. Everybody's kind of just hunkered down. And church family, I want you to know that you can absolutely reach out for help. Uh, you can give me a call or call Pastor Andrew here at the church office. Uh, we may not be able to come help you directly, but maybe we can find somebody who can. If you need us to go to the store and get you something, please let us know. Uh, I, I exist to serve, <laughs> so, so don't hesitate to do that. There's just lots of different things we need. Maybe you need prayer. Maybe you're struggling with anxiety. Maybe you need something. Maybe you just need to talk. Whatever the case may be, I want you to know Paul set for us an example of asking for help. These churches were helping him and supporting him when he was isolated and separated from the body of Christ. And you can, you can do that too. One other thing, and Andrew mentioned this before, you know, if you're a member of State Road, we are all together committed to supporting the ministry of State Road through our, through our giving. And I hope that that continues, but it's absolutely true what he said that maybe some of our neighbors are in a place of great financial need. Maybe their uh, ability to be employed has been curtailed by everything that's going on. Uh, maybe there's out of work. Maybe local businesses are struggling. And so in all of that, um, we'd encourage you to look at the resources God has given you as a tool for ministry, a ministry of helps. And so I just would encourage you to be thinking about that, not only asking for help as you need it, but looking at yourself as the means of help, that maybe the means by which God would answer somebody else's prayer in your life. And the last thing I want to point out, and again, this list is not exhaustive. I look forward to hearing your thoughts. What do you see in here? Is that he writes letters. Paul, in his time of isolation, does not just cut off the body or cut himself off from the body, uh, but he does work hard to stay connected with these different groups of believers. He reaches out and stays connected through the means that he has, which is writing these letters. And it just occurs to me that today we have such an abundance of ways, really an embarrassment of riches. Think what Paul could have done if he had had the internet. Think of what all the stuff he would have done. But we have so many ways to stay connected in a way. And again, fullness of joy is tied to that face-to-face. -face. None of this could ever replace the gathering of God's people together like we enjoy on a Sunday morning. But in this temporary season where that just isn't wise, we do have a lot of ways to stay connected. And I would encourage you to sit down at your table and write letters. Uh, tap out an email of encouragement. 
reach out to your brothers and sisters and just say that you've been thinking about them, praying for them. Maybe like Paul, Paul really set for us a habit of telling people exactly what he had prayed for them. Maybe as you have opportunity, you've prayed for somebody within the church family, just sit down and and shoot off an email saying, I prayed this for you today. There's lots of different ways to stay connected and would encourage you to do that just as Paul did. So Paul, he prayed a lot. He used that time of isolation to pray. He also, even though God had changed the context of his ministry, God never changed his calling or his ministry. So when you put Paul in that circumstance, that's his ministry for that time. And whatever your circumstances are right now, that's your ministry. And then third, as he needed to, he asked for help. And we also know from the book of Philemon, which is again another one of his prison prayers, that Paul also sought to be helpful to others during his time in prison. He was certainly helpful to a runaway slave named Onesimus. And then lastly, he, as much as he was able to, even though he would rather say things face to face and not by pen and ink, probably like John, he sat down and wrote a lot of letters. Paul was very productive in trying to stay connected. So just as you go about this week, I would encourage you to occasionally turn off the TV, put your phone down, go for a walk, spend time with those who are around you, those who you love, gather your kids close, uh, have family devotions, sing songs together, take up a hobby, buy a gift card to a local restaurant, whatever, (laughs) whatever you want to do. But I would just encourage you right there where you are this week uh, to pray, to be faithful in proclaiming the gospel in whatever context you find yourself, and be a blessing and a help even as you are blessed and helped, and stay connected as much as you can. So that's it. Let me close now in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I just thank you for State Road Advent Christian Church. I thank you for this wonderful group of believers And Father, like John said in the tail end of the book of 2 John, I hope that we can come together soon and that we can talk face to face so that our joy may be full. But Father, for right now, we're just really glad for this uh, ability we have to all be focused around your word this morning. Father, I pray your blessing over each household. Father, I pray your blessing over this church family. God, I pray that you would show us your great purposes in the midst of this time. Father, we know that you're on the move and that none of this has happened except by your will. And Father, we as your people don't want to look at this as just a dead time in ministry, but we want to see and understand your purposes in the midst of it all. Father, we ask for wisdom. Help us to see what you're up to and how we can join you in it. And Father, I pray, Lord, that you would give us a rare spirit of confidence, that we would not be people consumed with anxiety or hand-wringing, but that we would proceed with a quiet confidence in you, because you are our God. Father, we have a great helper in you. And Father, we know that you hold all things in your hand, and that nothing surprises you. And so, Father, we proceed with a boldness and with a confidence eager to know what you would have us do in these days that we're living in. And we pray all this in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for joining us this morning. Have a blessed week. And please uh, let me know by email or phone call or direct messaging over Facebook if you have any insights or other thoughts on what God might be up to during this time. Thank you.